GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life, and we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. Life can be really, really difficult, it can be very, very hard and possibly one of the hardest things in life is losing somebody that you love, that's dear to you. Here at the Cancer Relief Centre there is a really great group of people, hospice nurses and carers who can make that end of life just that little bit easier. Today we meet Alejandro. Let's talk a little bit about what you do and who you are, because you are a hospice nurse yeah. and you work here at the Cancer Relief Centre. Yeah. But there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes. You're a group. Yeah. How many are you? We are a group of six nurses and four healthcare assistants. And in the Cancer Relief Centre, we have two teams. We have the clinical team at the centre base here, who deals with more the curative patients, which is they are recently diagnosed and go through treatments. And then we have the hospice outreach service that we main focus to look after patients in the community here in Gibraltar. So with a hospice nurse, what is it exactly that they do? Because you, you work in their homes. This is, this, is, yeah. this is a service that you provide for people who are end of life. Yeah. Is it just cancer patients or is it other terminally yeah. ill patients? Our main focus is cancer patients, but sometimes when there is uh, incredible diseases like end-stage COPD, end-stage cardiac failure and other comorbidities, uh, the centre obviously their focus is to die at home and their wishing to die at home. It can be presented to the trustees to look after them as well. So we only not focus on cancer, we focus in other advanced disease illnesses and then turn to end of life at some point. Okay, so let's let's rewind a little bit back to Alejandro himself, because you are sat here as an example of, of, of all the great Definitely. nurses and the work that they do. So when, when did you decide to do this job? Where does your training come from? Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I have my training in Spain, in Huelva. I did my degree there for four years. And then in one of my placements, my I was in a palliative care ward, and that is where my focus started on that side, you not know, to look uh, about patients where the condition is poorly, you know, and they are deteriorating and require a lot of nursing and, and caring needs. Then when I finalized, I came here to work in Gibraltar. I was working in another area, and after two or three years, there was a vacancy here in, in the cancer relief looking for nurses for the new brand hospice outreach service. So I decided to apply. I got the luck to get employed, fantastic luck to start it here in a brand new service that we'll be building up in the last three, three years and a half, I will say. Um, yes, we started here, they gave me the opportunity. 
they are very supportive here. They're focusing on our training and our development. Um, and the thing has been growing and growing up in the last four years. Right. But what you do is, I mean, look at you smiling. I, I, I wish that people could see the work that you did uh, with my mother, for example, who was terminally ill with and major organ failure. So that yeah. would well, that would come into yeah. the remit of, so of the hospice outreach service as well. Yeah. Our main focus as well is to look after palliative patients you know, with advanced disease, even if it is cancer or other conditions, and look after their symptoms, ensure they are well looked after, they have the right treatments to focus on the quality of life and improve their last month or days of life the best they can, yeah. surrounded by their family in their own environments. But it wasn't just my mother or those yeah. patients that you looked after, you looked after me as well. Yes, we That's are crucial. patients, but we need to look after families as well because we know the impact that the disease can have in the patient no? when the condition changes and you suddenly notice the, their deterioration no? and you require further support. We need to look after the families as well, because they are the main leaders of their care. So right. we have to look on both sides to ensure the carer. We don't want to label as a carer, no? It's a family member, but it's taking the responsibility to ensure all their needs are met. Uh, to be able to carry on doing those tasks, yeah. we need to look after them as well, to ensure they are ha healthy no? and they feel supported as well express their emotions, their feelings. Uh, I can't I, imagine what it must be like for you to do this job on a daily basis. Yeah. To, how, how, do you, how do you step back? How, how do you not feel connected or do you? Yeah. How do you take this home with you? Sometimes we take it home. We have to set boundaries as a professional because obviously dealing with advanced illnesses with end-of-life situations and difficult symptom control and see the challenges that the patients and family are facing to, it's quite difficult. But sometimes I always say, if you're going to be a nurse, you need to be, it needs to be vocational. And you need to- Very much so. Very much vocational. And sometimes even if we know that we have to set the boundaries, you connect with the patients, you build a relationship with them, your emotions are connecting with them sometimes. Yes. So, it's difficult, but it's really needed. It's really needed to be there, to have someone professional and human that understands your circumstances at that moment, your emotion, how can fluctuate it in the time. Yes. And that the family and the patient receive the right support is quite important. I mean, uh, in my own personal experience, I thought I, I, I didn't, I was blown away because I, fortunately had never had to use this service until the time came. And I don't know that a lot of people in Gibraltar know very much about this service and how it works. So if somebody is terminally ill, how, how do they go about, how, how, how do they approach you? Yeah, they can call the centre always. We have the two teams and they can connect with us. Sometimes when patients are visiting, they are consultants, they are GPs. They are referring to our services if they require further holistic support, no? And when it's determined that a disease is uncurable and it's going to be progressing and require extensive nursing and professional support. So they can refer through emails. We had an official referral as well, they can email us. Uh, on a weekly basis, we have 
what we call a palliative care MDT based in hospital because we work closely with the palliative care team and the district nurses team and all the wider community professionals involved. So on Mondays usually we meet and we discuss few patients, new referrals and who is visiting and actioning the, the patients. And basically when they come to us we need to arrange like what we call a first assessment we like to introduce ourselves in their own homes so we can see the environment, we can meet the family. And as nurses, we always look around how we can improve things or who are the professionals that need to get involved because we work closely as well with occupational therapy and the physiotherapy. And as we say with the district nurses as well, we work quite closely to ensure they have received the right care in all the areas. So we do an initial assessment, as I say, and try to get all the info as much as we can in the, in the first instance and then we process the referrals accordingly and we have a few holistic services here as well in the cancer relief that can be brought into their own house as well which is aromatherapy, counselling, we have shared back exercises, we want to maintain their strength when they're feeling weaker so we try to arrange all those services, apart from the medical side is quite important, the symptom control of medication, treatments, but also the holistic side is quite important for the psychological and emotional well-being, just to maintain their yeah. strength, yeah. also to focus when we build the relationship, who are they, what are their wishes, what they want, what they like to. to be. That's so, very, very important. I mean, yeah. I used those services for mum. So I had the, a lovely lady come and she gave her a foot and leg yeah. massage, hand massage. Yeah. Um, I was they offered hairdressing, all those kinds of things, which is wonderful because it's a, it's a treat, isn't it? Yeah. On, on yeah. those last days. And also it a well-being and emotional, psychological side as well yeah. to, to the patients. And also it's positive for the family that they can benefit from those services as well. But also when a family member sees that they are loved one, it's a spoil, it's look after, yes. it's promoting things to improve their quality of life, the time they have left. It's quite comforting no? for, for the family. So yeah. What would you important. say is the hardest thing for you personally? Yeah. Dealing, even if we deal with advanced disease and end of life situations, death is always hard. We never get used to it even if the person is an elderly person or even if it's a young. It's still quite difficult because sometimes people focus, well, they were 90, they were 95, they had lived enough. That does but happen, even doesn't it? Though yeah. it's your mom, it's your granny, it's your loved one that have done everything for you in life, they have been supporting you, and it doesn't matter the age, it's still hurting. So it's difficult. And focusing on the difficult side sometimes is difficult. For me personally, dealing with young people, because young people are still dying, young people are still suffering from advanced diseases. So, that's me personally, it's a bit complicated because obviously, when parents have to see their child deteriorating or going through a lot of acute situations, and when they are in for that, unfortunately, the disease cannot be cured, just palliate, it's quite quite challenging sometimes, but we need to be there. Someone from the professional and human side needs to be there and support them, understand their needs, their emotions, and support, be there. 
sometimes you cannot express with words and you cannot change their minds, but just be there quiet to ensure someone is there with you listening. Alejandro, when you talk about walking into an environment, be it a young person or an old person, you're absolutely right. There is no difference. It's the person you love, yeah. irrespective of their age. But walking into an environment of a family who, in many respects, might fear death, not know how to deal with death. It's their first time dealing yeah. with death. Grief that comes in all shapes and colors. What is your role to them? Is Are you just like a presence that keeps strong and in the background, do you approach somebody who's breaking to explain what's going on? How, how do you deal with that scenario in the when end we of are life? those scenarios, we need to assess and observe how family is coping with the situation. And obviously, even we all think we know what dying means or what death means, we need to explain how the process is going, what are the changes that they might be expecting to, to observe in their loved ones, and we need to approach them. We cannot be strong in a corner, I'm here, this is going like this. You need to connect with them, share your emotions, cry with them sometimes. You need to be there, feel like a human, and yeah. explain all the process. And sometimes when you express, explain how things are going, they feel much relief because obviously they are observing, but they don't know what to expect. Yeah. And then sometimes in those circumstances, it makes it easy to approach future plans, which sometimes is difficult when they are, at that present time, someone is actively dying. They don't think that there is more bureaucratic things going forward when the time comes. We need to discuss funeral and wishes and open discussion between family members as well. We always try, when we build relationships with patients and families, part of our job is to focus on my wishes and what their wishes are when they lost capacity, for example, or they are approaching end of life that they cannot communicate their needs. We have a lovely document with us that sometimes we offer to the patient just to open the subject you know, between the, their loved ones and plan funerals or document it or inform them not to share the information. If I cannot communicate my needs, I don't like to be touched by someone. I don't like to not want to touch my feet. And focus on those areas that sometimes when it's a big family, they don't know all their needs or what their thoughts are and planning their funeral, funeral and, and what the care they want to receive. Some yeah. people want to focus just on the symptom control enjoy their quality of life the best they can until they reach the end. Some people open discussion that, all right, if there is something reversible, I would like to go to the hospital. And that is fair enough. When someone is palliative or deteriorating, it doesn't mean that we don't do anything in respect. They're still benefiting from the right treatment and they are allowed to it. But some people, right. we open those subjects and discuss with the family because some people can say, all right, maybe they need some fluids. Let's go to the hospital. Then it's an IV fluid. So those discussions is what we're trying to do when we do reviews in patients to know their thoughts and their wishes and, and get reflected too. Uh, absolutely. And likewise, it can be the other way around. Like in yeah. my personal case, she signed a do not resuscitate form. form. 
perhaps yeah. you just wanted to yeah. go. Let's talk a little bit about death and dying because it's such an important subject and yeah. that it's the one thing, as they say, we've all got in common. Yeah. Um, and you've seen a lot of it. Now, for somebody going through it for the first time, it can be very daunting. Like you use words like actively dying. Yeah. In my mum's case, she was actively dying for three days. I understood the process because you educated us, you gave us pamphlets, you gave us all the information we needed to recognize the signs and make it an easier transition. So what do people expect when somebody is actively dying? What, yeah. what are they looking at? We cannot at? determine Everyone is different. And everyone dies in different ways. When we mean with actively dying, that now, for example, they require further medication to manage their symptoms, we focus that on the last days of life, when sometimes the doctor goes, or nurse prescriber goes, and we determine that the situation is getting worse because we've been noticed a deterioration in the previous days. And then, as you experience as well, we have what we call a little pump, which contains some medication that goes subcutaneously. When people lose their swallow, or they're still swallowing, but we know that the medication is not having the effectiveness that they would like. So we try to palliate those symptoms. Obviously, the combination of those medications sometimes makes person to be more sleepy, but comfortable. So that is their focus. And family are realizing what is happening on those periods. Uh, we know that the breathing has changed. Yes, I know. They are more that. sleepy, yeah. more drowsy. They don't eat or drink. Yeah, they don't eat or drink those little signs is what is determinating to the nursing and the medical side that persons are approaching end of life. So it's education, education, observe the patient, observe the family, ensure they are calm and settled and surrounded by their loved ones and their animals. Their animals, pets. we talked yeah, about that. Is that is quite important. That's so therapeutic. Yeah, it's so therapeutic for the patients and the families as well. And they get close to them is, is quite important. An animal is part of your life. It's more than a family member sometimes. Yes. So we need uh, to focus on that area. They say also that when they are sleeping or losing consciousness yeah. in those last days, that they the last um, sense to go is the hearing. The hearing. We so always try to encourage family to talk, to yeah? talk to them and to have their private time with them as well. Even if they are sleeping, they are unconscious, Hold their, hand, their hands, be with them, share your emotions, say anything pending or say thank you for everything that person has done to you. It's quite important. Yeah. It's quite important. And that as well, it makes it easy to deal with your future bereavement. Pre-bereavement is quite important to see how you are going to deal with that loss in the future. And in this bit, if you manage to have that, Make it That's very sometimes. important, it's not very to important. have regrets, say yeah. all those things you needed yeah. to because say. Part of our job as well as the hospice thing is to look for the patient and the family on those times, the last month of life or last day, depending on the circumstances, but also then we look after the family for the bereavement process. Yeah. And we have here a two-year bereavement progress, process, uh, sorry, progress, program, <laughs> I mean, and then obviously grief is differently by the time the loved one died, differently in six months or 12 months, and their needs change when you are yeah. facing your daily routine and how things go. Yeah. So we like to keep an eye and to ensure if they need further support at some point. 
Because maybe when you recently lost someone, you don't require to chat with anyone or you don't need to have any relaxation time. But maybe in six months or a year, your grief becomes a bit more difficult. And those things that you were not ready at that point might be benefiting yeah. to go through their bereavement in the future. And that it's okay because yeah, grieving okay. comes in all senses. Yeah. And, and everybody grieves differently. Everybody um, grieves differently. Yeah. Yeah, and the, probably one of the worst things is to see people put a time limit on yeah, grief. Yeah, there is no time limit. There is no time limit. I My mean, personal opinion is that it's not time limited. And I have enjoyed the services because you've looked after me. I've had grief counselling here. You've called me in an evening did, and we've had a chat on the phone as, as, as yeah. have other yeah. hospice nurses here just and to check in on me. It's quite positive when you shout with someone that is not close to you, no, or no family or, or friend related, it's a, a professional from the outside that look after you and understand your needs. Yeah. And sometimes make it easy to communicate or express yeah. your feelings or your emotions, your anger, I'm upset, I'm sad. Yeah. It's look good to have someone there. Alejandro, in all your experience, is there any such thing as a good death, as they say? Sir, is there any such thing as a good death? People fear that it's painful, painful and traumatic yeah. and... We try to focus observing the symptoms that the person is experiencing the last month or basically based on their background disease. Sometimes we can pick up what they can experience. People are afraid of dying pain and that pain. is the main focus. People want, I don't want to die in pain. And we're sure that that is not happening, but also there is a lot of symptoms with it can be shortness of breath, agitation, drowsiness, sickness. So we try to cover all those areas with medication. Ensure that is your your role is so multifunctional in that respect because yes. you're we're looking to after focus everyone in all the areas, and it's not just the physical area; it's the emotional, psychological, and the spiritual area that yeah. is quite important when people are facing an advanced disease and they are realizing their deterioration, their faith, if they have, is quite important because it's the last thing they can lose. They can lose okay. their independence, they can experience some symptoms, but the faith is always there if they have some. So Alejandro, one of the, the, the lovely things about, there are many lovely things about dying at home, that, that is a positive, but uh, one of the the great things were when my mum had just passed, you turned up and when the family had to get together, you bathed her and dressed her and prepared her. It's quite important to look after someone when they pass away with dignity and respect. Yeah. And also when that time happens, we try to leave the family with their loved one there because obviously the emotions are quite intense at that moment. Yeah. So we try to come back. But obviously they need care until the end. And we try to promote family to help if they wish and to participate in doing what we call last offices. Yeah. It's like the last goodbye, no? That we say to our loved one. And it was nice to have it is nice to have that time alone with them. 
afterwards yeah. and make them look so beautiful it's a in death as they were in life. Yeah. We try to promote this as much as possible. It's quite important. But you're also human yeah. and it happens to you too. Yeah. And you were telling me that um, you've just recently lost a, a special one. person yeah. yourself. Yeah. So how difficult was that? Could you still apply the same rules and... I still apply the same rules and try to provide the right care and set some boundaries. But obviously when you have connections and emotions there, it's quite difficult because I was trying to have my professional hat on, but also the human hat, as I always have, but there is a connection there from a yeah. family member. It's quite difficult and hard because you're trying to live with the care and, and do the right things, but obviously insight is, is heartbreaking as well. It is heartbreaking. But we just try to ensure the person receives the right care, the same as all my patients, and they are well looked after until the end, surrounded by their family in their own environment. So That's quite important. I need to ask you this question because... No, a difficult one. Well, no, it's not a difficult one, but a lot of people throughout, I've met so many people who refuse to talk about death and dying, yeah. refuse to, to accept the fact it's going to happen to them or, and look into things like their funeral yeah. and their wishes to be observed. But when a man like you chooses to do possibly one of the hardest, saddest jobs in the world, I have to ask you, would you change anything? Would you change your job for no. anything in the world? No. I always say if, if I have to burn again, I will be a nurse and I think I will be focusing on the palliative care side and the hospice side and the end of life side. Well, it I will takes... repeat this job again. It's hard emotionally and mm. psychologically sometimes, but I will keep doing what I'm doing now. I like what I'm doing and I like to be there when people are vulnerable and approaching their end of stage of life and supporting family, sharing emotions, and being there. I will do the same. All I can say is you're a very small group of people that work yeah. here, and I don't know what your makeup is, but there is something very, very special about who you are and what you do. And I am so glad that you were a part of my life. Thank you. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.